Welcome to Season 1, Episode 11 of Four Seasons in a Funeral, the show where we go back and watch shows that had four good seasons and a shark-jumping fifth season. Today, we are talking about Season 1, Episode 11 of Fringe, Bound. My name is Nick, and joining me today are David and Charlie. Hi, I'm David. Hi, I'm Charlie. All right, before we get into this episode, uh, how's everyone's weeks been? How's, how's everyone doing? I finally beat Red Dead 2. Hey. Took me so long. <laughs> I've just been playing Assassin's Creed Origins. Uh, and working yeah i've I've basically just been working but hey orders have started to slow down which is always a good thing though i think i said that on the last episode yeah you did i was excited because jedi fallen order got like free expansion stuff and it's like oh cool there's like a meditation battle mode which is just like wave battles and stuff and they're like oh hey new game plus pump for that yeah new game plus is just you keep all your cosmetic item and then you play through the story again that's it that's terrible yeah, and I'm like, that's not New Game Plus. That's New Game with cosmetics. I don't get to keep any of my abilities. Like, your skill tree resets. So I immediately uninstalled the game again. Nice. Because <laughs> I'm like, I played through this game once. I have all yeah, the collectibles. Yeah, that's all you really need at that point. Yikes. Um, oh, yes. I do want to announce that we are now officially on Spotify. Woo! So if you want to listen to our podcast on Spotify, you can. I think this also means you can listen to us on like smart devices or like like the smart assistants, like a Google Home or an Alexa, because you can just shout at it. It should work that way. I haven't tested it, but you should test that like right now, David. Okay, Google. Okay, Google. Okay, Google. Hey, Google. My, my <laughs> thing's not working. <laughs> well, the good news is, David, you, if someone was playing this aloud, they just they just had their Google activate like four times. Play Four Seasons and a Funeral podcast from Spotify. Did I unplug this by accident? It, it worked on my phone. Oh, did it? Yeah. That's it knows cool. what it is, and then it was like something went wrong. But yeah, as of this recording, we're on Spotify, and it also has the same super weird upload date issue. For the first episode or for all the episodes? No, for the first episode. Yeah, I don't know what's up with that, dude. First episode somehow aired December 31st, 1969, whereas everything else is dated correctly. I... I literally don't know how that happened. I uploaded the first episode, and that just is what it is, I guess. I'm assuming something in, like, the recording metadata got fucked up. Except it's not based on the metadata, because all the others are based on the upload date for when it went live on the RSS feed. I don't know, then. Like, it's only the first episode that's wonky. We can just say that we've been a podcast for over, like, 50 years, 60 years. Is it fucked up on iTunes as well? Because I thought it was fine on iTunes. I have no idea. (laughs) So, Nick, what's our uh, TV Guide intro? Uh, well, for this week, we've got a uh, reasonably, so, like, sort of decent TV Guide, guide intro. Uh, it is a visit from Olivia's sister, uh, Ari Grainer, and a former uh, formal review of the French Division coincide with the investigation of the murder of a famous scientist, which may have something to do with Olivia's recent abduction. They really uh, buried the lead there about the Olivia being kidnapped thing. <laughs> yeah, they were kind of like, hey, don't worry about it. We'll solve that in the first 15 minutes of the show, and then we'll just move <laughs> on with the episode. Well, no, then then we'll start the episode. Yes. yes. <laughs> Do you know how last episode we were like super pumped and like, hey, great string of episodes coming up? Not oh, this boy. one. Oh, boy. No. <laughs> We don't like this episode. Um, I got some problems with this one. (laughs) Yeah, which uh, I have some notes as well. We'll talk about that as it comes up and as well during the wrap-up, but I have some interesting facts I think that Nick would enjoy about this episode. (laughs) I'm going to be so mad, aren't I? But yes, uh, episode 11 serves as the mid-season sort of premiere, which is why uh, we (sighs) get like, oh, it's a weird way to start a mid-season premiere. I'm I'm so mad. 
it's like the super hype finale with David Robert Jones getting out of prison and Olivia getting kidnapped. And then they're like, oh, shit, what do we do? Eh, we'll resolve this super quickly and then do some really shit B-plot. I'm so mad. I didn't realize that this was the fucking, like, mid-season premiere. Oh, yeah, no, that makes safe, this so much worse. Safe aired on December 2nd, 2008, and Bound premiered January 20th, 2009. What a letdown. Oh, yeah. my goodness. So this is like... This is like a full month gap plus a bit, almost two month gap between episodes. Like they left it on a cliffhanger. Good for them. But oh my God, what a bad episode to come back on. Yeah. So I, I'll just reveal my stuff now about some facts. Um, oh no. This episode uh, actually got like a 9.2 out of 10 rating no. when it came out. It's It was one of the highest rating episodes no. When it first came out, I think it was higher rated than all of the other episodes so far, aside from, I think, like, uh, just, like, ratings-wise. I think it had, like, a 7.2 rating. What the fuck? Um, as well as Joshua Jackson said this was his favorite episode so far of the season. And so did <laughs> so did uh, Anna Torv. Like, all oh. the actors said this was their favorite episode so far. Okay, there's there's great pro- plot relevance, but the fridge is terrible. What the fuck? So everyone loved this episode. Every oh, episode, like, no. I was looking into reviews. I was looking at, like, everyone loved this episode when it came out. Well, I'm no, glad no. I got the hot take, and this is just, I think this is the worst episode of the, se- of the season. Well, I, I honestly think that as well. I didn't look into what uh, current thoughts about this episode are, but I know the three of us don't like this episode. Oh my god. Well, uh, now that we've got that out of the way, man, I can't wait to just rip on this when we get to the ratings. Yeah. We'll, we'll get into why we don't like it, but let's we can kind of breeze through the plot as much as we can, but fuck is this episode dense. So, um, well, let's just, let's just start it off, and we'll say this episode starts off on probably its highest note. Um, when <laughs> Altered we get dosing this caterpillars joke. with acid. <laughs> yes. That is probably the high note of the episode. Like, it just starts to dive. Like, we get a decent, like, conclusion with Olivia, and then it just gets worse. Yeah. Oh, jeez. So Walter's dosing caterpillars with LSD, and Peter's like, uh, has anyone... Peter's like, oh, this is weird that I consider this normal now. And then Astrid strolls in and is like, has anyone heard from Olivia? She didn't show up for work. And they're like, well, shit, no. And that's how they find out Olivia's been kidnapped. And at this point in the episode, your hopes are high, and you're like, oh, sweet. Full episode thing of them trying to find Olivia and Olivia trying to escape. And your hopes are dashed immediately. Well, we uh, go to essentially um, Olivia being strapped to a gurney, and she's surrounded by these people in just horrifying masks. And why do the masks have to be horrifying? <laughs> I don't understand. Old man mask. Like, it's, I, it's always good to have. Why? It's such a weird mask to have. It would be harder to find a mask that horrifying than it would be just to find like a shitty like. <laughs> plastic one like those the guys the guy like they sent out to do mass duty went to like the party city or like the no, costuming it's, store it's the same guy from baby driver who they're like oh yeah get mike myers halloween masks and the joke <laughs> is they wanted like the the white face from the halloween movie franchise yeah. and instead he gets austin powers masks <laughs> And they're like, we said Mike Myers. He's like, this is Michael Myers. <laughs> That's what I feel like happened here. Yeah. But hey, they, they do have masks. They, they fit their face at least. Um... <laughs> I didn't fuck up that badly. 
And Olivia is strapped down to a gurney um, and flipped upside down so that they can reveal like some very weird clothing that they've got her wearing where there's like a part midway through. It's like they got like a like uh, a crop top, like a uh, piece of like medical like wear. Well, I mean, awesome. med- medical gowns have the backs open, right? That's fair. But like it kind of like joins back below, which is why yeah, I it definitely looks like they put her in something and then pinned the bottom so her ass wasn't showing. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh no. <laughs> They're like, Anna, we won't show it, show it, but like we don't want to alter the, the stuff. It'll save us a bit of time. And she's like, no, the ass remains hidden. <laughs> but... Yeah, then they do like a spinal tap on her. And we do get another great quote out of this, where the ringleader who's taking the spinal tap goes, don't worry, uh, this won't take long. To which Olivia's response is, "Ah, I'm sure you say that to all the girls. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, you gotta, you gotta, this episode isn't great. Still great zingers, though. There's some good zingers in this episode. And then we find out, and then we know which girls he says that to, because he takes off the mask and, oh man, it's low. Yep. Yep. Um... The first time I was watching this, I just he revealed his mask, and I went, "Okay, another white dude." I don't, I don't understand because <laughs> at this point, I still had not realized it was the same guy. <laughs> oh my god, David! <laughs> I'll tell you guys the exact moment I realized. It's, oh no! It's a while. Is it oh, in the no. offices? When, <laughs> when we get to it, I'll, I'll, I'll point it out. Oh no! Well, okay. So, anyways, we have this spinal tap from we 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 have you know Olivia gets a spinal tap, um, and um, we then cut away from this, uh, and yes. we cut back to Broyles in the office in broad day like it's daylight at this point, which is only a little bit concerning because that means Olivia's been gone for like twelve hours, and Broyles is only yep. telling everyone in the FBI now. They didn't find out until she didn't show up, right? No, they say at the end of last episode, hey, Olivia didn't call in, and it's night, and Broyles calls fucking uh, Nina. Uh, okay. No, they know immediately. They're and bad Charlie's, cops. Charlie's flown back to Boston at this point. They're Man. bad cops. <laughs> bros, bros like, ah, you've all noticed Dunham's been missing. Turns out she's been missing for months. <laughs> That was a fake Dunham all along. Only I'm privileged to this information I've known forever. Um, I will say he's uh, rallying the troops and getting them all to look out. Uh, he does say that this is, uh, I think you all know, my second in command, Francis. Was that established before already that Fran- Charlie Francis was second in command? No, I think this is the first time he officially is like, Francis is number two. Oh, okay. Okay, Which okay. is good to know, because it really seems like he should be. He does kind of lead the rest well, I mean, of the field agents. Yeah. He had already been giving orders to everyone. Like, Olivia will say, I need this, and then he just casually orders everyone in the office. So, you know he's, probably- though, he's just really, really, like, you know, well-liked in the office. That's <laughs> it. <laughs> They're like, and Charlie asked for it. I guess we'll do it. And they're like, isn't yeah. this kind of like a violation of people's civil liberties? And they're like, yeah, but Charlie asked good for dude. it. <laughs> <laughs> he came to my wife's birthday party, got her a nice gift. I feel obligated to, you know, funnel money <laughs> away from the government now for him. But, uh, so the fringe division is all trying to find Olivia. We cut back to her, which is definitely the most actiony star moment of this episode, right? Yes. Yeah. Because she does the get help essentially, where she's just like, "Oh, I need water. If you're gonna kill me, can I please have some water?" Like, "Ah, you've given me water. Can I now sit up, please?" She's like, I'm just a helpless female, and you're a big, strong man. Give me water, and I'll suck your dick. And then she smashes the beaker against his skull. 
We do. I do really like like this. Does have this 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 episode as well? Does do a good job at least of like once again empowering the female characters. Where like yeah, they're just this beating is, the shit out of people in this episode. This is uh, this is one of my favorite things about Fringe. In a lesser show, they'd be like, oh, the female lead's been kidnapped. Time for whatever love interest we have to like lead the charge and save her. Time for Peter to go ride in. Yeah. Instead, Olivia's like. I've been here for 20 minutes. I should probably get myself out. You know, I let them, I let them take that spinal tap of me. It's it's time. Yeah. <laughs> and then gets herself out because yep. she don't and need no man. Kicks a lot of ass on the way. It felt yeah. like, like an Assassin's Creed or like some sort of like video game fight because she just like, it was really well shot and really good, well choreographed. And I'm just like, why is this in Fringe? <laughs> <laughs> it's just, yeah, smash beaker, grab scalpel, throw a guy, get Trey. Okay. The bash casual, them both in the head with the, the tray. Super casual scalpel like throw. Like, oh, that was that was really good. <laughs> she's like, hmm, this is throwable right into his spine. Yeah. Like you're looking like, holy shit, where was Olivia trained? That they do not I hope they don't teach that at fucking FBI school. Uh Olivia's, and then uh, part of the same whatever program Jason Bourne was. She's just not aware <laughs> yet. You mean the the Jason Bourne program? Yes. <laughs> Olivia, also known as Olivia Bourne. No, it's always Jason. Doesn't ah. matter. They're always Jason Bourne. And then Broyles, uh, Broyles gets a phone call from his friend, who, uh, in my notes, I have dubbed him Slimy McSlime Face. Yeah. Uh, yes. Because uh, this thing is, he's slimier than this episode's creature. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So it's uh, Sanford <laughs> Harris. <laughs> Sanford <laughs> Harris is his name. Yeah, yes. uh, and he's like, oh, I'm doing a formal review of the Fringe division. But he was like, hey, I'm, I'm letting you know as a friend, because I want, want this to come from me. Yeah, and then Olivia continues stealthing around and just brutalizing people. <laughs> a dude's just like reading a magazine. She's like, and I will take your head, and I will break your skull. Yeah, like it really makes you wonder how many of these guys died. <laughs> From this. Yeah, like he's he's unconscious. He has a major concussion. The one guy got a scalpel in the back. He, he's gonna have scalpel. Dude's dead. Like I'm pretty, I'm pretty <laughs> sure they're all dead. Like when we learn that the warehouse is empty, I'm pretty sure like these people seem to like to kill people. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh yeah, they're probably all dead. But scalpel dude is like killed by Olivia's hands directly. Like, he bleeds out and dies. I'll, I'll, uh, give, I'll give it that one. Olivia then stumbles upon jar upon jar of what looks like spiky cucumbers or like spiky tongue i don't know how to describe them they're so some, gross some weird things um and, and then she, some yellow yellow vials yeah and she throws them in um concussion dude's thermos takes his jacket and his car and his phone god she just took everything from this guy she fucking gta'd him but not as much as the next guy who she then shoots in the chest yeah. <laughs> uh she gets the car jesus yeah <laughs> She gets in the car and is called Broyles and she's like, I was kidnapped and getting away. And then the episode takes, this is, this is where the episode jumps is she like buries the thermos and then has a moment of like, holy fuck, I, I escaped. And then a bunch of cops and FBI agent pulls up and she's like, oh, cool, sweet. I'm, I'm saved. Um, show me that you don't work for the other people that I was just kidnapped by. And then they taser. Yep. And you're like, what the fuck? In what world does that make sense? It was like, I, I will say very, very prescient of olivia to like go and hide that thermos like i understand that she was like oh, oh no yeah. maybe the kidnappers are going to come find me but goddamn yeah i was just <laughs> was, 
what the hell, Olivia? Like, it was, like, it was a galaxy brain call. Like, <laughs> 200 IQ moves. Uh, hiding the evidence. I think I have somewhere. It's like Olivia buries the evidence because she's good at her goddamn job. <laughs> and it also avoids that pitfall. Well, she had it on her. Like, they would take it away and then they have to yeah. stage like a break in to get that, get rid of that entire thing. Yeah, because French isn't about that. No, There's... she just fucking hides it. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot in this episode where I'm like, Olivia is good at her goddamn job. They did do a good job of that during this episode. We do, we do get a lot of just Olivia being good at her job. Yeah. But, uh, uh, so Olivia wakes up after being tased by police officers, which is surprising. Yeah, she's yeah. white, too. Well, that's why she was tased. That's why she woke up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wasn't quite that dark, David. Jesus. Oh, Anyways, going past that... Um, she wakes up in a hospital bed um, and is met with, you know, uh, someone that she knows and de- definitely likes. And she's very happy to be handcuffed in a bed with. Slimy McSlime face. And we get to the point in the episode where episode one, Charlie, gets to be proven incredibly wrong. Yes. I, think I have that written in one of my notes. And here's where <laughs> Charlie, you, Charlie is. <laughs> and Nick, yeah. I'll admit, I'm pretty sure I was on the Charlie train of this one of being like, yeah, no, they, I, there's, they never bring this up. I was not. I was like, guys. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if I'm being honest, David, I watched the first six episodes with you and then that random one episode towards the end of the, se- of the end of season one. And I had not seen the middle of the season until now. Again, I, I saw it the first time, like, years yeah. ago. Fair enough, fair enough. You, last time you saw it was January 20th, 2009. <laughs> uh, no, later than that. Oh, yeah, your parents wouldn't let you watch it. My parents wouldn't let me watch it. I, I saw it in, like, 2015. Like, you know, around then. The second time. I've seen it twice, though. But uh, so, like, this... Almost the midway point between when it aired and present time. Yep, so yep, this conversation, Nick, is where I'm surprised you didn't realize it was a mid-season premiere. Because they literally have a conversation where Sanford Harris, like, just recaps the entire season. Yeah. <laughs> where he's like, ever since Fringe Division was formed because of that airplane thing, you've been out of control. You brought these specific people in, and here's a description of who they are, and you've been working with them. You were romantically involved with John Scott, who turned traitor. And betrayed you I was kind of confused. I was definitely kind of confused, but it was kind of like, eh. They've just decided they're going to bring some drama into this. It's fine. Literally recaps the entire season. I was like, "That's that's a weird thing to do," but like you know, it's been it's been a couple episodes. Let's let's bring it back around. You know, actually, <laughs> this show is actually really good at not doing exposition like that on a regular basis. They have the previously on. Previously yeah, but on like Switch. you get other shows where it's like on Friends, they're like, "Oh, hey, Joey, how's it going on that show you're on, Days of Our Lives." But they do that every single episode for the entire time. Yeah, I guess. But that's because Friends is a sitcom. They don't expect you to have seen every episode before it. I know, but a bunch of other shows will do like similar thing where mm-hmm. if they they bring up someone and they're like, "Oh, you mean this guy from this episode?" and he did specifically this. Fringe is like, "Oh yeah, David Robert Jones. I know who that is." Yeah, yeah. no, that's yeah. also why. That's also why I didn't know who Loeb was. <laughs> Despite the fact he's been like the past like four episodes, yeah. I, honestly, I looking back at it, the first time we watched it, I didn't realize he was the same person in any of the episodes. Oh I my think god, fake dude was the same as Equation dude, but I didn't realize he was the same as this episode, or he was the same from Heart Strangulation episode. David's like, there's oh. a bunch of crew cut white guys doing that stuff. Man, all these all these white people look exactly the same. Why the fuck are they taking the neo Nazi route with this? <laughs> 
got them in Germany uh, too? Like, what the fuck? Yeah, so it turns out Harris is the one that Olivia um, prosecuted for sexual harassment. That Broyles was like, it wasn't that much sexual harassment. Three women later. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they're like, we've altered Broyles' character, so he has to be sympathetic to Olivia now. Yep. Thank God. Uh, yeah, and then he's like, you can't investigate your own abduction, which actually seems reasonable. I think that's standard procedure. It should be. That That <laughs> is reasonable. You have a personal investment in the case. You probably shouldn't be allowed like that entire business. Uh, and then is like, here's the handcuff key, which is like, why did you have her handcuffed in the first place? Because she was dangerous unless, and obviously going to kill him as soon as uh, she woke up. Unless you're a slimy McSlime phase and wanted to pull... <laughs> Um, like an intro to Kill Bill move. I will. I will also say the other thing that really like pissed me off about this is this. This is a common trope in TV shows of um, bad, like you know, bad guy who has a history with one of the characters, like has a has a like dark history with one of the characters, um, and obviously dislikes them, um, and is trying to like ruin their life through like the through the episode and through semi legitimate means. And in this case, fairly legitimate means of like yeah. doing a review. Like it's a fairly common trope in shows, and. It annoys me that they went this route because it's so obviously a conflict of interest. Like, he should not oh. be anywhere near this case. Oh, yeah, 100%. Like, he should not be anywhere near this review. And it just pissed me off because it's such a... <laughs> On, like, the Senate or Congressional Committee that allocates for Fringe, I think it's a Senate committee. Yeah. Yeah. They would have to be like, who do we want to oversee this? Oh, what about Sanford Harris? And they'd be <laughs> like, they'd be like, hold on, I've heard that name. Ah, uh, yes, he was convicted of sexual harassment. So, and, oh, he was prosecuted against by Olivia Dunham. How so about no? It does say his convictions didn't go through. And I think, Yeah, but still. I think, <laughs> what I mean is I think that implies that he definitely has reach, is what I was getting yeah. from that. And that whatever reach got him out of the conviction, he also used to get the position to do, to do, the, uh, to do the investigation in order to fuck over Olivia. Like, that's... What I, that's what I think I'm yeah. getting. Also, it. seeing like our current political climate, it, this seems a hell of a lot more reasonable now. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> this episode was so topical in like the worst way. By the oh, way, <laughs> this yeah. entire episode was super topical. It was great. <laughs> but yeah, so Olivia unhandcuffs herself, and we. Uh, I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah, she, she talks it. to she talks to Charlie. And he's like, there's no evidence you were actually kidnapped other mm -hmm. than your word. And I'm like, that's a pretty solid word. Like, FBI agents' words is usually solid testimony. There's also the yeah. fact that, like, you know, what was she doing for the last, you know, 20 hours then? Uh, got into a bar fight, which is why she's bruised. I don't fucking know. Although you would also... Partners, I don't know. Would you not also see the needle mark on her spine when she's like, someone did a spinal tap? You would see physical evidence of that, yep. no? Oh yeah, yeah. And the the other important thing to recognize here is also that uh, Charlie does say, "Hey, I had nothing to do with um, how you were picked uh, up." Yeah, because yeah, that was shitty. Even <laughs> even Broyles comes in in a couple of scenes and is like, "The fuck did you do to my agent?" Yep, yep. Because now we get defensive, Papa Broyles. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. Um, and Charlie's like, "We found nothing in the warehouse. The car and cell phone you took, yours prints." And I'm like, "But that doesn't mean nothing. Who were they registered to?" Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was obviously a rental car. Uh, come on, Charlie. I, I, yeah, yeah, obviously. And the cell phone was the cell phone is plausible. Is like, oh, it's just a burner phone. Just yeah. a burner but phone like, hadn't been used yet. A burner top of the line SUV. No, that's that's why it's that's why it's a rental car. Hey, like, ZFT you... have lots of connections. <laughs> yeah, ZFT probably brought that from the future and bought it used. <laughs> <laughs> 
probably made that car from scratch in a cave of a box of scraps. <laughs> this is this is where Fringe enters the Marvel crossover territory. Oh god. Fucking Tony would get taken down by Olivia so goddamn hard for fucking fringe science. <laughs> He'd be like, but I was just fucking around. And she's like, this is what you've done. He's like, oh, I'll fix that with some robots and money. You mean the solution to my problems isn't more robots? <laughs> <laughs> Tony, one of your robots tried to take over the world. So you're saying more robots. So you're I make more to fight it. <laughs> so, well, technically the solution was vision, which is another robot. Yeah. <laughs> And I mean, everyone was like, Tony, no more robots. And he's like, trust me. And Thor's like, trust me. <laughs> I got drunk in a pool and saw a vision. <laughs> uh, but anyways, we also get introduced to a new character right after Charlie uh, um, walks out from the scene uh, when we meet uh, Olivia's sister, Rachel. Yeah. Um, and also uh, Rachel's daughter, mm-hmm. uh, Ella. Yeah, Charlie's like, hey, your sister's downstairs, and Olivia's face is like, fuck no. And then she sees him, and she's like, oh, hi. Well, he doesn't so, say sister, interestingly enough. He just says, hey, there's someone named Rachel out there to see you. Do you know what this is about? Well, I mean, I guess that's just to show, like, she's private yeah. about her personal life. Very, but I think it's, like, it's supposed to be played as, like, oh, no, another, like, disaster. But then, like, oh, no, it's just Olivia's sister. Yeah. yeah. It's it's also just interesting, because, like, her and her, uh, Charlie are obviously good friends. Like, Yeah. <laughs> Charlie is basically her best friend on the show at this point and he's like who's your sister like you have a family didn't realize that was possible you did just spontaneously come into being wearing all black (laughs) (laughs) kind of wear those grays and blacks yeah olivia's like gotta go but you can stay at my house bye smiling the whole time and then gets into the elevator and then goes dead bitch face like like, i feel this she's not pleased about the situation I can relate. Um, and then Olivia immediately starts investigating her own uh, abduction. Her own kidnapping <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> When she uh, calls Peter and she calls Peter and says, "Get in a car um, and bring Walter with you." And Peter's he's like, like, "Yeah, he's like, I heard you were kidnapped." And she's like, "Yeah, we're past that. Don't worry, I'm fine now. Bring Walter with you." It's like, "Oh, freed myself. <laughs> <laughs> don't need, don't need no man." Um, yeah, and then they get like mobile chem lab and go pick up the vial she found. Mm-hmm. And uh, Walter's like spinning them up in the back of the car, and she's like, "Walter, can you identify what this is?" And another great line from the early episodes, he's like, "I'm afraid I can." And I love how that somehow the implication is it's worse if Walter knows what it is versus yep. if he doesn't. Yep. Like, if he could tell what it is, it's horrifying. Yeah, it turns out to be, what, her spinal fluid? Or spinal fluid samples? Uh, no, it doesn't. No? We will come oh, to no. that. This is, this, is this the virus? Yes. Oh, yes. God. Fucking hell. And then but, we cut... Hey, to... we haven't gotten there yet, but that's the next scene. Don't you worry. Uh... Yep, we cut to the best part of this entire episode. <laughs> a random biology class. Yeah, dude's giving a lecture on how bacteria feast on you. You're not top of the food chain. You know, getting all hello. Yeah. You got, you got viruses, feet. bacteria, protozoa, and fungi. The four mu- musketeers of the pathogenic world. See, I would say four horsemen. Nah, this, this guy's a three musketeers dude. I know, but it, I know there are four musketeers in the book, but it's called the three musketeers. Just... <laughs> but there is a fourth musketeer. Exactly. I know, but you have to read the book to understand it, and no one's read that book. Unless you're a, apparently a biology major. <laughs> Um, uh, we also then learn that this prof is um, just very, very, uh, very, very, like, he knows exactly when his lecture slides are going to change. 
because he starts to choke and his lecture slides keep changing. Like, you know, he's he's on point. Like he's got oh, a yeah, he's, built he's timed that entire thing down to the second. Which like, goddamn, he must be he must have been teaching this course for a fucking number of years to have gotten to that amount of confidence. Also, <laughs> no one's asking any questions. Yeah, he's like, time. you you don't ask questions until the end. <laughs> also, he has his TA sitting off in a corner, just sitting there for no reason. She's not even with the rest of the students. No, she's she... off by herself in a corner. Well, yeah. no, his, his job is just, uh, his uh, like, the TA's job is whenever someone has a question, she has to run over to them and answer <laughs> the question while he keeps talking. Nick, <laughs> as, uh, Nick, as an actual TA, is this true? Is this, does this match what your uh, job is like? So I have TA'd two courses. Guess how many lectures I've shown up to between those two courses? Uh, two. two, one. Oh, you didn't have to go to the I intro for signals. Uh, class of 300 oh, yeah. students, I never got introduced to the entire class. I only know the people that were in my lab. Because uh, that's how TA works. You don't yes. actually, you're not there. You yeah. have your own shit to do. You can't go to lectures you're not learning anything from. Listen, I get paid for 10 hours a week. If a prof tells me that I'm spending three of those hours going to lectures, sure, but you're only getting seven more hours out of me. Uh, <laughs> I got to teach labs for four of them. So then you get three hours of marking a week and you don't want that. That's not a lot of marking. <laughs> also, you add nothing to the lectures. Actually, no. When you take in my hour of office hours, two hours of marking a week. That's not enough hours. <laughs> uh, but anyways, he does not care about his TA's time uh, is what we've learned. Man, nope. this, is, this has gotten into a rant about TA and conditions that I think Nick has a lot unsaid. <laughs> don't worry about it. Especially under the current government. Uh don't worry about it um but anyways um so during during his lecture during his lecture the prof uh begins to choke uh and falls over and no one offers to go and give him the heimlich or anything like that chokes no. like the 2019 playoff tampa bay lane yeah. what <laughs> no david uh, it's... tampa bay had like historically a top five in the history of the nhl regular season like demolished everyone okay and got matched up the way the seeding for playoffs goes is top team plays the second wild card team. So mm -hmm. the worst team to still make the playoffs and got so swept. David, how, many, how many games? Oh, fuck you, Charlie. I was going to be like, how many games do you think they lost in? <laughs> Seven game series. Okay, okay, okay guys. Anyways, fringe, <laughs> guys, focus. Fringe. All right. Um, so he he starts choking. Um, nobody comes. Some students are just like, "Cool, lectures over early. Bye." The TA is kind of like, "Hey, so we'll call nine one one," and no one cares. Um, just like in a normal class. Um, and the prof then just dies uh, in the middle yeah. of class, and a, a weird mass, like it looks like he had like cancer, is kind of what you initially think. He's got like yeah. some like weird fast growing oh. cancer. I never um, thought that because it was moving up and I was like, fuck this shit. Yeah, and it was in his throat. And then a giant slug thing crawls out of him and it's like, what the fuck? And it's the same spiny tongue cucumber that Olivia saw in uh, the jars in yeah. her kidnap. It went from a man having a heart attack to nightmare fuel in like 10 seconds <laughs> and I didn't I did enjoy it. <laughs> Um, and yeah, the, the episode or the, uh, the cold open ends with that. Uh, yes, and then the opening credits start 16 minutes into the goddamn episode. Honestly, I was watching it. The opening credits started, and I was like, how fucking long have I been sitting here? That was the longest five minutes ever. Yeah, it's one of the episodes where, like, 
the open credits start playing and you're like, did they not play earlier? Like you're like, I thought I just zoned them out. Yeah. <laughs> I've been marathoning the show. I thought I thought I just skipped them in my head. And no, it's just taken them fucking sixteen minutes because they don't know how to pace this episode. Well, okay. All I'm gonna say is I kinda like how they did it because they do the cold open after the fringe happens for the first time and we get the classic woman screaming. Um yes, it is the classic no, another classic woman scream into the opening credits. Like you, you've just, got like someone like talking, someone's talked to JJ and they're like, JJ, how how are we gonna like do this cold open? And JJ's like, I don't know, but it needs to involve a woman screaming. I don't care. Yeah. I feel like they also had a perfect place to put it right after Olivia gets tased and knocked out. Yeah. Because you could throw it in there and it's still super early enough to be like, oh man, what's going on? Because you get to do the opening credits, you get to do a commercial break. And then you come back to her handcuffed in the thing and they were like, but no, the fringe stuff hasn't happened yet. I think the problem problem is that these, it literally feels like two episodes that are tacked onto each other. Like the the, the two half episodes. Yeah, the 16 minutes before this feels like it should have been connected to a previous episode. And then this entire beginning seems completely disconnected. Like it continues the story, but it doesn't continue it enough to where it justifies being in the same episode. Yeah. So honestly, how I would have staged this episode, and it's really weird because it would have left this this fringe event for like 15 minutes, is I would have run this fringe event. I would have had Olivia um in like getting like captured and had the spinal tap happen, then run this scene and then the cold open, and then back to Olivia for the rest of it. And you just run it in order after that. And just do like an A B plot till they converge. Yes. Yeah, that probably would have been better. Um, that's that's how you do the cold open in the first five minutes. Um, otherwise, yeah. you do not do the cold open without the fringe science. That is the staple of the show. Like it has not happened yet where you do a cold open before yeah. the fringe happens. Like that needs to happen. And I'm pretty uh, sure that's why it happens so late. Is they shoehorn themselves in when writing the episode. They were like, "Hey, when's the cold open? Fringe stuff hasn't happened yet. We have to keep pushing it back. We have to keep pushing it back." Yeah. Mm-hmm. But like I respect the way that they do the cold opens happen right after the first fringe event. Like I don't know. It just felt really weird. And then also when they come back from the cold open, like the first line we hear is just it's like a panning shot. And then we just hear Olivia like off. Like it, sa- it sounded ADR to me of Olivia just going, All right, so what happened and what what is the crime? What are we investigating? Just like a quick like exposition yeah. line. Like, it feels so disconnected. Like, it, this entire second Fringe event feels so disconnected from the Fringe. Yeah. But it's not, like, plot-wise, it's directly connected. But it just doesn't feel <laughs> that way because not. of poor pacing and poor writing. Like, like I don't yeah. understand how they fucked it up. Like, all, all you have to do is you have, that fringe, you have that Fringe event after the first scene of Olivia being trapped in the warehouse, run the rest of it, and then right as she is turning away from seeing her, uh, right while they're at the, uh, like, at the site where Olivia's, like, hidden the stuff, Right at the end of that, you have Broyles give her a call and say, we've had an event. Um, and then you just roll into the next scene of them being in the lecture hall um, and trying to figure out um, what happened here. I just think they needed to make the connection between her, like the lab where she was being held and the the, the virus. Like They needed to make that more connection clearer, like that the, that the two events are connect, directly connected. And then they, it would have had a better through line. Maybe. Well, yeah, because if you're not paying attention wholly in that beginning, you miss the two-second shot of them showing the creature in the jar. Yeah. And then it happens here, and you're like, what the fuck is going on? There's no dialogue related to it. There's nothing, like, there's no, there's, they literally just show you, like, in two seconds, like, oh, hey, look, a weird monster. And then it, it, we see them again later on, but, like, there's, it doesn't feel connected. Like, 
that's my big problem with this episode is just the storyline feels like there's a bunch of threads and they randomly tie them together for no reason it doesn't feel like they should go together and even even then when they're investigating it and walter's like oh i have an idea of what did this but i'll tell you later and olivia comes down i'm like she was just kidnapped like this morning she was kidnapped Mm -hmm. why are they letting back on the job yeah it just it feels weird it needs to be a go home we'll set up your therapy appointments get away from this i think that's a problem i have with tv in general is how condensed timelines are with things yeah i feel uh, i think honestly so this is a weird hot take for me uh usually charlie's one of hot takes but here's my hot take um i don't understand why luke cared so much that obi-wan died in the first star wars Oh no, I'm because on board with this. As yeah, far yeah, as yeah. as like they had only known each other for like two or three days at that point, like less than two or three days had passed in story wise, and then you, you see this old man die, but he like it tears out his heart, and I'm like, dude, you've known him for like 48 hours. Why do you uh, care so much? I think I think you can you can get around that with uh, Obi Wan was his only known connection to his dad that would talk to him about his dad. He, he had and, his brother, he had his uncle. His but his uncle wouldn't talk about his dad. I know, but what I'm saying is that he cared more about Obi-Wan dying than when he sees his uncle and aunt had died. Oh, yeah, no, than seeing like, their charred corpses. No, 100%. Literally their charred corpses. He gives, he gave less of a shit. And that's why I don't understand. Like, just timeline, just make a story. Yeah. You can make a story longer. You can make things... Have happened I mean, over if you want to if you want to complain about if you want to complain about Star Wars time stuff, how long did Luke train on Dagobah? That's honestly, I'm fine with that being whatever. Like it was for a certain range of time. You don't have to come out and spell that out. No, That's no, no. Fine. But it seems it seems super quick because he lands, yeah. does a bit of training, but then you have like you have a definitive time period with Cloud City. Mm-hmm. All right, I am going yeah. to let that end there because, goddamn it, guys, we've been talking about this cold open and ranting on it for actually like fifteen minutes. Yeah, sorry. Uh, also, that, we we got into the Star Wars. You got into the Star <laughs> Wars. And not I need to draw you back because this is going to go on for an hour, um, and you're just going to have to cut all of it, David. <laughs> Which I know you don't want to do. I do think it could have been a fun idea to be like, okay, you don't have to like go home you're on desk duty and then you can have olivia do like the political drama stuff with having to deal with sanford there not being able to investigate anything we're trying to covertly investigate it in the office and then you throw charles or not charles that's me you throw charlie into the investigation with the fringe team and you give him a little bit more character development he's the one in the field for once i think that could have been fun but they're like no she's just she got kidnapped she got spinal tapped she got shot at I mean, I guess this is also the mid-season premiere, so we can't relegate our main characters to roles they're not like yeah. roles they're not used to in the grand scheme of things. We're looking at it from a very top-down perspective as a season as a whole. And the episode itself, we can't do that because this is supposed yeah. to be the mid-season premiere for people who haven't seen the show before. Like, we can't toss Olivia into a desk job. Like, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. So. Yeah. Anyways, okay. getting back to it now. <laughs> yes, please, please drag us out. <laughs> drag us out yeah, of this. I game. don't want to do another speed run of an episode because I want to shit on this episode for a while, and you guys are making <laughs> that difficult. Uh, okay, so um, Olivia, Peter, and Walter are investigating uh, what was happening in the lecture hall. Um, Walter's up at the front, uh, talking about uh, looking up at these, uh, you know, pictures of bacteria and viruses, uh, and commenting on how much more deadly they all are than HIV. And I really enjoy that he brings up Ebola in 2009. Um, <laughs> another, another great 
little little moment right there of being like, ooh, <laughs> yikes. Um, and uh, we have, you know, while Walter's decided that this is what he's going to do. He's um, so excited, he, too. Oh, yeah. He he's loves, like, he ah, e- Ebola. First come the headaches, then comes the vomiting. You lose all control of bodily functions. Don't forget about your face turning, like... <laughs> Turning oh, yeah. Watch, essentially. <laughs> yeah. And we then have um, Peter's tracking Peter. the slug thing with a thermal gun. Yep. Which, ooh, I'm already annoyed about that. Um, yeah. Why are you annoyed about that, Nick? Mm-hmm. That seems perfectly mm-hmm. reasonable. You know what? You know what isn't alive and doesn't generate energy? <laughs> Something we'll talk about later. The uh, <laughs> um, they find the slug and it's like running away. They're like, shit, shit, shit. It's super fast. It's moving on its own and it's super fast. Um, and, and then Walter traps it in a trash can. He's like, oh, this used to happen in the lab all the time. Which makes and me very just, concerned. He's just super pumped about everything. And I love excited Walter. Excited Walter is really great here. Being like, oh, it makes me nostalgic for the lab. Walter uh, is in his element this episode. Yes. Um, and then they're doing Walter takes a tissue sample from the slug and he's like this is the same shit that Olivia found so there's your connection we have to spell it mm-hmm. out for you yep um, and then Broyles is talking to Harris and he's like the fuck did you do homie I... why would you shoot <laughs> Olivia what the fuck he's like oh she can't be trusted the jury's out on her and Broyles is like she has been a perfect agent this entire time I don't know what the fuck you're talking about and he's like yeah he's like Olivia's the best agent, and why are you in my office? And Harris is like, well, you're wrong on two counts. Well, Harris also, once again, brings in his bias when he says, yeah, no, uh, when some JV agent um, decides to come after me for chasing a little tail. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh. We got that, uh, we got that yeah. little, little quote in this, too. Yeah, that line hurt. Oh, yeah. Just, I, I don't know if it's still used today. I don't know how much it's fallen out of use. But saying, like, oh, I'm chasing some tail or getting some tail, just sounds so wrong oh yeah it's such a sleazy thing but then it also makes you sound ancient so you're just like an old sleazy man like it's <laughs> which to be fair they portrayed that perfectly with him yeah. like yeah <laughs> it just makes you sound old and terrible like yes and yeah no we we basically learn at this point that yeah no surprisingly um our our, our good friend uh sanford harris still doesn't like olivia um and possibly for bias that he literally spells out to Broyles. Yeah. But we we see that there's some tension now between Broyles and Harris. They're they're not particularly happy with each other and we cut back to the lab. Uh well, we or, cut back to, no, we cut back Olivia. to uh, yeah. Olivia questioning. Olivia is Yeah, the yes. TA and um she's not really talking Olivia's like how long were you sleeping with the prof? And she's like how did you know? And the answer is Olivia is good at her goddamn job. Yes. Once again, surprisingly, Olivia's good at her job. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and figures out pretty quickly. Yes, we learned that the uh, our dead uh, doctor, uh, Miles Kinberg, was a renowned immunologist. Yes, and he had recently accepted a job at uh, the CDC, I believe. Yes. For working on a task force that specialized in determining if the country was ready to fight off an epidemic. <laughs> which I wrote very, very topical, Fringe, from 10 years ago. Very, very topical. All I'm going to say is Fringe fucking called their shots. I love it. <laughs> so, like, they literally said that line, and I went, man, wish that was true. <laughs> I, well, so, like, the Ebola thing happens, like, 
like not even like two minutes before this and then just swoosh we get hey yeah. we're gonna see we're, we're hiring some new people to to deal with epidemics make sure the country's prepared for them just deal with ep- epidemics to determine if the country is ready to fight them <laughs> just like <laughs> damn wish that wasn't sci- science fiction <laughs> well what we learned is that fringe you know is is the reason why <laughs> the two leading uh immune Apologists were, were taken out in this episode. Uh, yeah, and you get the great line, because Olivia goes and explains this to Broyles, and it's like, hey, someone else was competing for that job. It's this guy. Well, no, um, not competing. They were going to both do it. Oh, like, they were going to co-chair the committee, right? They, Sorry. They, that's why they didn't hate each other, and why Olivia wasn't like, why did you kill him? Uh, yeah, and they're like, oh, he might be under attack, and she says the line, why kill an epidemiologist unless you want to start an epidemic? And it's like... <laughs> Not quite what happened in real life, but god damn. It's, yeah. This episode yeah. hurt because it was terrible and then also all of this. <laughs> and yeah, after after Olivia has this uh talk with um with Broyles, she is walking back out of the office and is met by uh and is uh quickly stopped by Mitchell Loeb, who says, Hey, I'm gonna be heading up that uh uh abduction investigation. I'll oh, let yeah. you know if I find anything. <laughs> this, and David, I, what did you think about this? This is where I realized Mitchell Loeb was a mole. Um, I will say, I still had not realized that Mitchell Loeb was the same guy as uh, Heart Attack. Oh no, I know where you thought. I know where I you only, figured it out. I oh, realized no. that Mitchell Loeb was the same guy as Safe Dude here, and that he was working for the FBI. And in my head, Nick, we were watching this, and I went, "Oh my god, he's a spy!" Oh no. All right. Well. Uh... <laughs> Pass it right over. How, how, I will how say, with things here. The reason I really realized it was because they panned to him, and then there's a musical sting. <laughs> it's literally like a violin noise going, Ooh, like a scary noise. And I went, oh, he's a bad guy. So every time we complain about, oh, they're making this too audi- obvious for the audience, we have to remember that the audience is David. Uh... And they're going to miss obvious things. And uh... yeah. We then have Olivia go and pick up uh, the other epidemiologist, uh, Dr. Russell Simon, um, yes. and bring him in for questioning. Uh, well, and also, by that, we can uh, basically despite, just be like, hey. They bring him in also despite the like warning from uh, Slimeball that anything they do needs to be run by them. And yes. Olivia yeah. essentially goes like to Broyles and be like, are you going to tell me I can't do my job and save this man's life? And bro is just kind of like, just go fucking get him, okay? Listen, we're on the same side. Dad, mom says I can't do this. Can I do it? Fine, I'll deal with the consequences. I also yeah. have in my notes, um, Olivia can't investigate her own abduction, but her abductor can. <laughs> this is a good time. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, Harris uh, interrupts the questioning when they bring in Dr. Simon and was like, why didn't you tell me that you put this man in protective custody and she's like well his life's at risk i kind of had to ask quickly and act quickly and he's like i guess that's reasonable i mean fine (laughs) i guess um and you know basically has uh, he's like hey uh we're not gonna be spending government resources on keeping you know putting this man in protective custody until olivia is just like hey he's gonna die yeah. Um, and then Walter calls Peter and is like, hey, I know how they got the slugs in the people. You just put a little bit of the powder, which is actually eggs, huh? uh, into the water and they drink it and then it activates with their stomach acid, I think. Yep. And 
So, yep. so then, we see, then we see Loeb pouring the powder into the glass of water and gives it to Simon. Simon takes a super long chug and then obviously starts to die. And, and then Charlie. Charlie shoots. Yeah, Charlie shoots the slug before it can escape, but the dude's mm-hmm. already dead. And then we cut to the lab and Walter's like, oh, hey, I know what this is. It's the it's the common cold. Hey, Nick, uh, what are your before, feelings on Before we get into that, uh, I do want to just go back to when uh, Harris and Olivia are arguing and Harris is uh, like essentially chewing her out. Um, he does at one point ask if Broyles knew about what was going on, which Olivia just very uh, smart assly just says no. <laughs> like, and I'm like, excellent, Olivia. Snitches get stitches. You don't just rat out Broyles. <laughs> <laughs> snitches get stitches. Works works in prison. Works in uh, <laughs> works in the FBI. Yep. Hey, after those stitches, where do snitches end up? What? Have you not heard the stitch? Snitches get stitches and end up in ditches with bitches. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if that's a thing or if I made that up when I was 14. Is. Hey, I've never heard hey Charlie, uh, how do you pronounce that uh, M-I-S-C word? Oh, you mean miscellaneous? I'm pretty sure that's not how you pronounce it, Charlie. That's not how you pronounce it, Charlie. <laughs> that's 100% how you pronounce it. I know how to I'm speak. pretty sure there's normally a K in there for you. Hey, David, what's it called when, like, two people have a divorce, but they're on friendly terms about it? They're amicable. (laughs) (laughs) Was that right? That's not how how you've said it before. You used to pronounce it as as a different word that is used if evidence is allowed in a court case or not. Hey, at least I didn't think miscellaneous rhymed with a different word, but it didn't. I don't know why I made up that stupid rhyme. I don't understand how how subcutaneous was a rhyme was going to be the rhyme there for you too. <laughs> Miscellaneous subcutaneous. <laughs> oh, no. yeah, to be fair, it's not pronounced amicable either. I don't know yeah. why I kept saying that. <laughs> you were like, "Yeah, it's amicable," and I'm like, "No." Anyways, uh, right. our um, inability to talk uh, besides the point. Can I get mad at the virus now for a little while? Yes. Yes, please Thank go. You. All right. Um, so we learned from Walter that this giant slug that we have um, is, in fact, um, the common cold somehow. Um, so based off of all of the evidence that we've already had in this episode, there's no way that this can be a virus. Um, as, I've already, as we've already talked about, it is... like. They, they are, they are, the viruses, unlike bacteria, protozoa, and fungi, which are all mentioned in this episode at the start as the three other musketeers um, of, path, of pathogens, they are all living. They all have cells. Um, they can produce heat signatures, for example. Um, you want to know what can't? A virus. Because it's just some genetic material. And that's it. That's all that a virus is. It's some genetic material in an enclosure. And what it does is it then inserts itself into one of your cells to replicate itself. And that's all that a virus does. Uh, Now, it can do some really bad things from that because it destroys your cells in the process or hijacks them. As we can see in our current climate. But you want to know what it can't do? Uh, Move on its own? It cannot move on its own. It cannot reach those sizes. It cannot have a heat signature. Well, the size uh, thing—the size thing—is the fringe element. No, no, it isn't. No, literally. Walter says, fact- "Hey, there's some bacteria that can grow to like five meters. Like, there's some protozoa that can grow to five meters." Okay, and okay, you, fair, you don't want to know what? Enough, yes. If they if they'd made it a bacteria, I would have been okay with it. 
a, a good friend of mine um, has I, one of my favorite things was talking with him about season one of Fringe, and he had two issues with it. I'll bring up the other issue when we get there. But this was one of two major issues that he had with Fringe was this fucking episode. Because uh, he was like, they could have chosen any of the other ones. They could have chosen any of a fungi of a bacteria or a protozoa, and I would have been fine. I would have yeah. just went, you know what? They tried a little bit. It's fine. Virus is the only bad one here, but it's so yeah. bad. Because it's, like you said, literally, it's RNA in a shell. It's it's just RNA in a shell. It's like... And you want to know what the most terrifying thing was? If they did somehow have a massive fucking virus like this, it would need massive fucking cells to be able to reproduce. Because what it would do, what it would it would like try and like alien onto your face and insert its genetic material down your throat. Um, um like Stanford Harris did to those women. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> Thank you, Charlie, for picking up what I was going for there. <laughs> I mean, I'm not the first one to think of that. Someone made a whole sci-fi movie about it called Alien. <laughs> but yeah, um, it just makes me so bad that this is a virus. Because um, <laughs> they literally bring up the other three. They, they bring up the other three things that it could have been. And I would have. I would not be talking like this. I would not be this mad about it. Um, <laughs> but hey, uh, it's the common cold, as we all know. Um, it's just a supersized version of it. Um, and, you know, he can totally take off, you know, Walter's totally taking literally part of the tissue, um, which obviously <laughs> has cells in it because he then puts it under a microscope and is looking at cells. Yep. Um, yep. Which, if it's so a single Rick... cell organism, makes no sense. <laughs> so Rick Moranis was involved in this then, right? Oh, just, I'm so mad. I'm so mad at this. <laughs> that was a weird, honey, I shrunk the kids joke. I don't think and, it went through. Nope. I, I I just completely skipped over it. <laughs> so um, at this point, I think we should bring up a another element of Fringe, I swear, or just season one of Fringe, uh, that we hadn't realized existed or was a thing, but is the Walters lab notes, which I don't know where they come from or what they were about or anything about them. I looked it up. And it looks like they were a hidden thing on Fox's website. Okay. That like just a little bit of like, oh, you have to delve in or enter your code. But they are canon. And so um, in Walter's uh, lab notes for this episode, he mentions that it technically isn't. It isn't the uh, virus. <laughs> Instead, it's a gigantic human cell from Dr. Kinberg's own intestinal wall overtaken and supersized by the virus that infected it okay that that's sounds closer. like that is closer retconning. yes that is but, that is them going oops we made it we made an oops um this cannot be a virus uh, i'm still mad about it um yeah. yep <laughs> because th we still have the issue of him taking cells off of it um but closer and i will bring this up to my friend and be like hey read this they sort of retconned it but not really uh <laughs> Yeah, this gorgeous creature is not, in fact, a giant virus. The rhinovirus takes the form of a isohedron, not a slug. No, she is a gigantic human cell from Dr. Kinberg's own intestinal walls, mercilessly overtaken and supersized by the giant virus that infected her. Okay, and that's, that's a lot better. <laughs> goes on to go over the glory of the word supersized. Yes. <laughs> Such a brilliant concept to, be... to order a tasty meal and, with one simple command, expand it in all dimensions. <laughs> the wonder and horror of it. For how could I not observe the astounding synecdoche between the consumers and the consumed? We will have to just do like an episode after we do season one of just reading all of Walter's lab notes. 
Because um, we definitely miss them. But yeah, we definitely yes. miss them, and I want to go back and do them. So like, look out for that episode, and like, so we won't reference them again for the rest of the season. But I thought I would reference this one specifically because I know we have lots of issues with this with this episode, and that there is a canon like retcon that makes it less egregious. <laughs> it's less egregious. Uh, I will give it that. Um, yes, still I'll, egregious, I'll but less I'll egregious. <laughs> I'm more okay with it now. Uh, I'm still mad uh, at it, but I'm more okay with it now. Uh, another fun fact I have for you, Nick, by the way, is that apparently the writers of this ep- uh, writers of Fringe got the idea for this episode from their science consultants, who suggested that they talk about a supersized virus. <laughs> so this wasn't even like JJ and his writing team's own idea. No, the science consultants brought up the idea to them. Someone needs to fire those science consultants. Uh, we then get, I think, a very quick scene of Olivia making dinner for her sister and her mm-hmm. niece. And is then like, hey, is there anything wrong? And her sister brushes her off. And that's all we get. Oh, no, sorry. Her sister's like, oh, me and my husband separated. I don't and... think she comes out and says it. But that's definitely yeah. the subtext. That's the implied thing, right? She says, and... like, I don't know how to do this alone and stuff. Yeah, well, no. Yeah. Olivia's like, hey, have you heard anything from him? And mm-hmm. um, Rachel's like, no, I haven't. Okay. That's 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 how it's brought up. Like Olivia knows already, um, and is like, "Hey, like you know, she's trying to broach the topic in like not a super direct way." Uh, but yeah, we we learn that Rachel and her, um, you know, Ella's Ella's father have uh, separated. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, and we then, then jump back into the FBI office. Yeah, <laughs> and Loeb is like, "Hey, let me come interact with you because this is something I would normally do." Yes, this is normal, um, but I, to be fair, if he's running the investigation, it makes some sense. Yeah, uh, he like tries to mess with something on her desk and drops it, and Olivia looks down and is like, hey, because I have a great memory and I'm good at my goddamn job, <laughs> you have the same spot on your shoe as the guy who did the Spinal Tap hat. Mm-hmm. Which leads me to my next question, why the fuck is this lazy guy wearing the same shoes to crime and work? Also, I why mean- hasn't he buffed out the white spot on his shoe? I know, like, he's got good pay. Uh, I just think this is part of Loeb's cockiness at this point, is his downfall. Just, like, the idea of him getting caught doesn't even cross his head. Yeah. Sorry, David, did you realize his, la- his name was Loeb at this point? Oh, um, <laughs> no. No, not at this point, no. <laughs> I, I I didn't realize yet. White dude A. Uh. <laughs> yeah, no, I just like, oh man, this random new character is so cocky. <laughs> this random, sorry, I did know he was safe, dude. I will say that. <laughs> and then Olivia tells Charlie, and Charlie, she's like, I need you to tap his phone because uh, Harris is watching everything I do. Uh, while he watches everything I do, I'm going to step out and break into Loeb's house. Yeah. And then uh, Samantha, Loeb arrives. And you have this very awkward hey, hey, tense. Hey, hey, hey. This is yep. where I realized he was Mitchell Loeb. Hey. When she's like, oh, I haven't come and checked on you since, you know, that thing happened yep. with Loeb. Yep. Yep. This is where I realized. <laughs> <laughs> that guy was from that episode. Oh, no. When I saw Samantha, I I honestly thought that Samantha and the TA were the same person. Like there was a little part of me that was like, whoa, 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 whoa! I saw them earlier in the episode. I could I could understand that they're very similar people. Yeah. Um, Charlie also then goes to Peter and is like, "Hey, I need you to do some illegal stuff for me." And Peter's like, "What's going on?" And he's like, "One of the issues about being a law enforcement agent is you have to follow the law." And Peter's like. <laughs> Peter's like, so, and you thought I would be the guy to break the law for you. 
And <laughs> Charlie's like, oh man, sorry, I didn't mean to imply anything. And Peter's like, no, you're 100% correct. I will break the law for you. It's like, Charlie, you're a good dude. We already know that We already know that you're a good dude. Let's, let's go break the law for you. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not breaking the law. Plausible deniability. <laughs> exactly. You're, you've got my back here. Um, but you get this great tense scene where Samantha Loeb is trying to be like, oh, how are you doing? Uh, let me go make some tea and all this shit. And Olivia's like, mm-hmm, yeah, I know your husband's a fucking traitor. Just yeah. <laughs> literally bring it up. Have... Oh, why are you here? Oh, I'm on an investigation of a double agent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I... <laughs> it's a nice move, Olivia, by the way. Jesus, you don't have any backup. <laughs> Just because like... um. Samantha is also like making tea and stuff, but leaves the kettle on like way too long. Like it's steep for, or it's been boiling for a while. And just in my notes, I have uh, Loeb's wife ain't all that. <laughs> Cause she's what? constantly like, she, she is sweating the entire time. I'm like, have a little bit more composure. Like we know she's a part of this too. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's not like she's uh, like a, uh, it's not like she's just like, you know, aside, like, you know, just has no idea what Loeb has been up to. Uh, yeah. yeah. And then, she, goes she calls help. she calls her husband and is like, hey, what the fuck am I supposed to do? And he's like, kill the Dunham. Dunham, Dunham, Dunham. While they're talking, Peter's phone tap kicks in and he's like, hey, shit, they're going to try and kill you. Yeah, um, but he only hears the last part of it because he's been, you know, his guy at the phone company is not quite as good as he used to be. Yeah. yeah. Uh, her and Samantha get into a fight. And then, um, and once again, we like, get the, 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 the strong, like, you know, it's only like the, it's the female characters that know how to fight in this. Uh, yeah. And also, goddamn, that was a good fight. Nick, I don't know if this is foreshadowing or not, but holy hell, that's a beautiful shot by Olivia. Oh yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. That's dead between her eyes. Oh my God. Yeah. What a shot. Yeah. That's between the eyes on a quick draw too. Like she has yes. no. It's it's very impressive. Oh, hey, as we are talking, um, David has sent me the link, and we're on Google Play now. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just bring that up in the middle of the episode. I hey, look, the first episode. The episode. Yeah. <laughs> the first episode aired December 31st, 1969. I don't know why. <laughs> David, all I can say is nice. <laughs> I don't know how I fucked that up. <laughs> Anyways, we'll come back to that at the end. Uh, we're almost there, guys. We've almost made it. Uh, this is such a uh, long episode, guys. Sorry to the people uh, who are still listening. Uh, uh, the the FBI uh, then try to track down Loeb, but he's disappeared. But Olivia's like, we have his wife's phone. He doesn't know she's dead yet. Let's have her set up like uh, a meet somewhere. Like call me on at this payphone or whatever, and then just basically like a sting operation. And I called this the stakeout fakeout. Just just because? Just because I needed something clever to keep my attention episode. You mean you felt um, bound by this episode? Yeah, I really... <laughs> uh, um, they catch Loeb, and they're interrogating him, and Loeb's not talking, so Olivia's like, Ha ha, I killed your wife! Yeah, it's real not, like... <laughs> oh man, it's brutal. Uh, <laughs> no yeah, like, empathy. He's not, he's not giving anything, he's just like, I just want to talk with my wife. And Olivia's like, hey, hey Charlie, you want to leave the room for a little bit? Uh, <laughs> you can't talk to your wife because she's dead. <laughs> Fucking clean through the skull. <laughs> it was a good shot, too. I killed her. And then he goes off and he's like, we weren't going to kill you. We're at war. You don't even know who you're at war with. You don't know what the two sides are. Um, yes. 
and that it's like we were trying to save you make sure you were ready for what's coming um and olivia's like i have no fucking clue what this means and peter's like eh, he's just fucking with you and then it's, it's fine he's crazy and then to which olivia, walter then says yeah no <laughs> yeah and then olivia goes home reads a book to her niece and falls asleep with her and then rachel turns the light out and tucks them in and just from how Olivia fell asleep, her arm is like underneath Ella's head and like her hand comes up back around. It's, it's just an uncomfortable sleeping position. It does look uncomfortable, but also like, it's a super cute moment for what the yes. rest of this episode has been. Which yeah. is terrible. Which is, yeah, which is a train wreck. <laughs> also, train they're sleeping wreck. on the couch. Yeah. Like your, your neck and back are just oh. gone the next day. Maybe they're just taking a nap. Don't worry about it. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. that is that tire fire of an episode. Um, Finally, the, the cipher the podcast and our show. Uh, yeah, the <laughs> the cipher is saved for this episode, and the mm-hmm. observer is walking across the scene uh, when Olivia gets out of her car when she goes to Hartford. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. And um, then I think in- the yeah, I'll let Nick do his bit. So. Uh, like Charlie, you're more than welcome to come in and help me here, but I actually don't know if there was um, a note, like a or a uh, something to reference the previous episode. There was, and David's going to hate it. Oh. No, what was okay. it? Okay, so you remember last episode when Olivia and Peter in the bar and they're doing the card tricks and stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, Behind no, Olivia is a sign that says the colds. That's 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 <laughs> that was a coincidence. They forgot, and then they have to do that, and they claim that's not that's that's that. Yeah, no, no, I refuse. <laughs> Guys, Fringe is a bad show. <laughs> I really love how much it pisses you off every time. Oh, they're so bad though. They Guys, are gotta, so bad though. We got to rename the podcast to Five Funerals. <laughs> Five Funerals in a celebration. <laughs> Oh, we move on to six season shows now. Can we try that? Can we do one show that gets better? It would be funny. I mean, we could just marathon through the Fast and Furious franchise. Finish Fringe, guys. We can't keep making plans before we finish Fringe. We we gotta get through like more than 100 episodes before we can even talk about that. This is is true. Not quite 100, but anyways. Uh, Yeah. um, yeah, (laughs) Okay, so complaints... End review about the episode. Uh, too yeah, much ratings. going on. The plot is completely disjointed from itself. Everything feels like a B story. The only good parts is the beginning, when we see Olivia being badass and kind of freeing herself, because that resolves the cliffhanger. And then the ending, I guess, because it's story content, like it's plot content. I mean, the good parts are always the character. Like character interactions yeah. are great. Like all the zingers are there. It's there. There are funny moments. There are great character moments. They, there's an entire like thing about uh, Walter making fun of Peter for miss for being so worried about Olivia, and there's a lot of like, oh Peter yeah, he's kind like, of doing was... long stares at her and stuff. Yeah, and then I think, I think, um, uh, I think someone's Walter's like messing around with the cold virus and. Because he was dosing caterpillars in the beginning, Peter's like, is that LSD? And Walter's like, LSD, it's disinfectant. Why would I be giving it LSD? No, it's a decongestion, because it oh, is a common cold. Once again, also pisses me off. Um... <laughs> oh, that's what, what decongestants do. They kill the common cold. Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so much sense. Uh... Walter, you know better. They treat symptoms. They don't treat the... 
you know, uh, you just kill the virus of decongestions. That's how decongestions work. That's some, that's some Trump level shit right there. Uh, oh my gosh! I think I think the best way to describe this episode is it's technically a fringe episode. Yeah. So like all the hallmarks are there. Like the the shell is there. It's just the substance is very bad. So so here's what I'm gonna say. Uh, the fact that those Walters that Walters notes exist and that they retconned in that the uh, um, that the virus is actually like it's taken over a cell, which Still, not really what viruses do. Uh, their whole point is to, you know, make more copies of themselves mm-hmm. and then explode the cell in most cases, or just generate more viruses. And the, the virus never generates another one of itself. Um, so that's annoying. But uh, the fact that they retcon that, that in is the only reason that this that this episode is getting more than a one star ranking for me. Uh, yeah. But okay. even that that idea, like you could write that into the episode and be like, oh, this is a giant virus. I'm like, you could you could change it and not be like oh look it's the common cold i'm pretty sure that they thought that the average person watching this show either wasn't going to catch it or didn't want to hear the explanation it's just so wrong that it hurts like most of the time the fringe science is like yeah that's not really how it works but i mean i guess it could work that way this is just wrong. Like this, there's no arguing. Like this is the science here is just wrong. It's, it's incorrect. And, and this is from a show that usually goes out of his way. They usually go out of their way to be generally okay. Yeah. Yes. Like obviously it's crazy science, but they're usually like, oh, well, the thing migrated to his brain, so now he's seeing the ghost signal instead yeah. of hearing it. Like that's reasonable. Like, that's definitely like, nah, that's not really, but you, it works through the rules of our universe and the rules of the universe that you've established as fringe. Yeah. So, okay. This and is it just- doesn't fall under, like, the, the techno babble stuff that, like, CSI does with all their computer hacking, because that's wrong, but the writers have come out and been like, we try to make it as wrong as possible just to see who can do the worst job in, like, an, in a photograph enhanced scene. Jeff but, Jensen of Entertainment Weekly noted this episode's importance in the series history and named it the ninth best episode of the series. Oh what? no! Okay, so what I will say this this episode does do a very good job of like sort of bringing together what we've had in the past couple episodes. Like it does it does sort of bring that in and leaves you with a taste of something to come later. And that's as far as is, I'll leave that. Um, this is the mini golf setup shot episode. It sucks and you hate to do it, but it is valuable. It is valuable later, but oh man, it's so um I will say so some notes about the actual episode. So getting away from the contents but more the production style. This episode was 10 minutes of extra time. So it was 10 minutes longer than a regular episode. Okay, um, so there's our extra 10 minutes before the cold open. Yep. As yep. well as when it aired, it got 11.96 million views or viewers. Um, and that was a huge improvement of the season's average of about 8.8 million so far. Yeah, damn. So it was really, really popular. Um, apparently 10% of all 18 to 49 year olds watching television watched, uh, this episode. Damn. So it was very big deal at the time. Um, it was also, it was also (laughs) the, uh, episode they submitted for Emmys this season so the way that works is you can only you have to individually submit episodes for uh like the academy the uh emmys to sort of examine so this was the episode they decided to submit it received no nominations i was like huh i wonder why they didn't get any nominations (laughs) 
I think where let me find that quote from Joshua Jackson as well that I think will piss you guys off. Uh, yes, Joshua Jackson believed the episode was important developmentally for the series, explaining it was creatively where the show really hits its stride in the first season, and this is where the show decided what it wanted to be. Damn. Uh, for just because I wanted to know, I would assume it would have tried to go in as an outstanding drama series. Uh, uh, for the primetime Emmys? Writing for a drama series. Okay. Yeah, specifically writing. Yeah. Uh, the Outstanding Drama Series nominations for that year was Lost, House, Dexter, Damages, Breaking Bad, Big Love, and Mad Men. Yeah, damn, no, that's a tough, that's a tough lineup to go against. Yeah, Mad you're, Men you're, won. Yeah. You're not getting in on that, man. Yeah. Yeah, it went for outstanding writing and outstanding directing for uh, drama. Yeah. Oof, you're still not going to have a lot of luck against all those. Nope. Even um, though I do love it. Yeah. Anyways, uh, sorry, did we put out number ratings? Did, no, did we get distracted again? Okay, um, I'm firmly at like a one and a half or two. I'm giving this yeah, one a two. Just because of the retconning, it gets a two. Ah. This is... Yeah, like it, it has a lot of it has a lot of redeeming moments, like the mm-hmm. the character development on Olivia's side. But oh my god, that the, the fringe the fringe science in this, and the fact that this is the one that they submitted, what they consider to be one of the best, I just have to go against that. I understand there's a lot of strong points in this, but oh, there's so many better episodes from the season. Also, um, outstanding writing for a drama series nominations were uh, Matthew Weiner for Mad Men, mm-hmm. Robin Veith and Matthew Weiner for Mad Men. <laughs> Andre Jacquemettin, Maria Jacquemettin, and Matthew Weiner for Mad Men. <laughs> Carlton Curse and Damien Lindelof lost. And Cater Gordon and Matthew Weiner for Mad Men. What Which season one? of Mad Men was airing at the time? <laughs> Obviously the best one. Uh, season two. Oh, okay, that's why. Season two of Mad Men is really good. <laughs> I understand. But just from... Season two, Matthew Weiner gets to claim he has four nominations and a victory for the primetime Emmys. Jesus. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, so that is our ratings for this episode. Uh, we hated this episode, guys. <laughs> I don't yep. know what else to say. None of us liked this episode. And this, I, was the episode <laughs> this was the episode they submitted for Emmys. I don't understand what's wrong with either us or the world. <laughs> like... It's it's probably us, but it's fine. Yeah, I think I think if you watch the show just as like a casual viewer, it's mm-hmm. more okay. It's definitely and exciting. It, like the action scenes, I can see it why it got high praise for that stuff. But like, yeah, the actual plot, guys. Oh, yeah. As I said, some redeeming moments, but oof. And then, I I guess like again, it's all like the the stuff it sets up. Like Sanford Harris is. A, actually a really good character mm-hmm. like they needed i think they needed like a physical villain yeah for the show to have that they can actually like hey we have the fringe stuff and we have this side confrontation so he's really good at that but yeah because they can't it can't just be david robert jones every episode it also yeah. can't just be like the concept of science every episode <laughs> yeah it makes sense yes. still. all right um i think that'll bring us to the end of this really long angry downer episode of four seasons in a funeral uh this is sort of like a sneak peek for how every time we don't like an episode how we're gonna treat it 
as well as what I think season five is going to look like when we finally <laughs> get to it. It's oh, just... man, I'm so excited. Uh, I actually have to watch season five then. I <laughs> still haven't seen anything far past season one. So I want to get through this fast so we can start having live reactions of David from episodes. Man, you guys, yeah. it's going to be me just going, I didn't realize this person was plot important. <laughs> it... Well, no, at the end of those, we'll be like, all right, David, what do you predict is going to happen off of this? Oh, God. <laughs> what do you think the plot ramifications for this are? All right. Um, I think my, my greatest hot take is I still think Nina, Sharp, and Broyles are fucking. That's my ultimate hot take. That is, that is, is a, hot a hot take. take or not? You'll find out later, David. <laughs> All right. Okay. That'll bring us to the end of the episode. So um, as always, thank you guys for listening. You can uh, catch us on Twitter at Forsaf. That's F-O-U-R-S-A-A-F. Or you can email us um, on G- or at our email at Forsaf at gmail.com. That's F-O-U-R-S-A-A-F at gmail.com. Um, I'm sure you know this at this point, but you can find us on iTunes, uh, Spotify now, uh, the Google Play Store, or on Podbean. So feel free to go on any one of those and leave us a review, uh, or just like, please, if anyone is listening to this, listening to this, just like do something, show that you exist. <laughs> I've already paid money. I would like to know that someone listened to this maybe once ever that isn't just us or our friends. That'd be nice. <laughs> anyway, I, I think we are at the distribution platform number where we can say. You can find us wherever you find your podcasts. I don't know, man. What if we're okay. missing one? We're not on Stitcher. Should I add us to Stitcher? <laughs> no. Ignore is Stitcher. Gonna, is it going to cost us more money? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'd have to figure it out. Anyways, thanks for listening. Outro. The theme music for Four Seasons and a Funeral is Algorithms by Chad Crouch and is licensed under a Attribution Non-Commercial 3.0 Creative Commons license.